Welcome to Art Worlds with me, Dr. Cleo Roberts Comoretti. This is the podcast that tells you all about the art worlds you might have missed. We're going to journey around the globe and talk to artists, patrons and curators from Cambodia to the Democratic Republic of Congo. With this, we'll build a truly international perspective of the many thriving art worlds. Algeria, a North African country stretching along the Mediterranean coast south to the searing Sahara Desert, sits between Tunisia and Libya in the east, Nigeria, Mali and Mauritania in the south, and Morocco and Western Sahara in the west. The country, a bedrock of the Roman Empire with a history of Arab and Islamic influence, has been subject to Ottoman rule and French imperialism. Following a fierce and vicious war of independence that lasted over seven years, between 1954 to 1962, the country declared its independence after 132 years of French occupation. The country's arts were profoundly affected and undermined by its political character, and subsequent periods of instability have followed in the post-colonial period. Artists have explored this uprooting, the denial of their identity and what it means to be Algerian, whether living in the country or abroad. Opportunities for artists in Algeria have been challenging, with scant political interest in arts and culture. But with recent young project spaces and galleries emerging, there's a sense of energy and optimism for Algeria's contemporary artists. Artist Masinisa Selmani is known for his seemingly irreverent pencil drawings and animations that converge documentary and fiction, often starting with a press cutting taken from his long-standing personal archive. He leaves his figures and objects stranded in large areas of white space as an invitation for the viewer to fill in the gaps and consider how the circulation of media images affect our perception of events. Masinisa's work has been shown internationally, including at Palais de Tokyo, the 56th Venice Biennale, where he received a special mention, Modern Art Oxford and Centre Pompidou. From his studio and tour in west-central France, Massinissa joined me to discuss the absurdity he embraces in his drawings and the degree to which his Algerian background shapes his work. So you studied computer science in Algeria before moving to France to study at the École Supérieure de Beaux-Arts de Tours. You now live and work between the two countries. What does this offer your practice? Um, yeah, I don't think that it has uh, much impact uh, on my practice. Uh, but I live in France, so France is it's mostly for for work, <laughs> and yeah, for for I have my studio in France, and Algeria is more for for family. But I like this um, uh, like back and forth between the two cult- two countries um the two the two uh, the two uh, context so algeria is more family as i said but as an artist in france sometimes there is this background and there is this history between the two countries so sometimes you have to take a kind of distance from that to be um focused on other things but yeah but in general i don't think it has real impact on my practice okay thank you that's very frank <laughs> um 
you work predominantly in graphite pencil, creating lightweight drawings of people, animals and objects, and there are dashes of colour, but they're often enveloped by white space. Yeah. And these drawings are also transformed into animations. And some of the figures you've cut out from newspaper clippings, and it sounds like you've got a vast archive of these materials. So what are the parameters of your selection process when you're going through all these many clippings? Yes, I collect a lot of newspapers. Uh, I like to work from uh, printed press rather than collect images from internet because in internet there is no surprise. You know, if you if I work on internet, I go to look for something. But from press clipping, I don't have this problem. From press clippings, what is interesting also as um, uh, during my uh, the first years of my practice, I was really focused and really interested on. Uh, press photography and the process of the narrative in press photography. So in newspapers, it's very interesting to see how the the pictures were placed, the caption of the of the pictures, which pictures it's used in headlines, etc. And it's interesting also to see how the same images you can find it in different newspapers with different captions, just reframe them, the context is totally changed. So this was the first um, the first uh, step to this process. And the second one is uh, from press clippings also, uh, as I bring newspapers from different places and different dates. So for example, in the same drawing, you can find characters and elements coming from uh, different press clippings coming from different newspapers and different periods. So when I cut each character, each element, and put them together, it for me kind of creates a new um, new context. And also, what is interesting that all the things looks familiar, but you cannot really situate them. And this is something that I do really in purpose. It's really decision. Like you feel there is something familiar, but nothing is familiar because it's totally absurd. But it feels like uh, it is familiar. Like, uh, and for example, currently um, I'm looking for more architectural fragments or elements that uh, allow me to structure my compositions. Uh, generally, I like to say that um, like the elements or the object, the things uh, present in my drawings, they are, they are uh, created by the things that surround them. So this is why the way I like playing with the white space. So the shadow can draw a wall. Even this wall is not drawn directly. Just shadow can suggest something. So... The process is made like this, but also the, the other layer is a question of pleasure sometimes. I'm always looking for this absurd thing. The background is is always or often kind of heavy or tragic, but I like to find a kind of balance. I mean, the, the violence is always diffused and not delivered like that. Like you just, yeah, like you need a kind of, a different layer of reading and connecting things before arriving to the violence. Yeah, and I was going to mention that because I was poring over your series, um, 
Do We Need Shadows to Remember, which is from 2013 to 15. And part of it's in the collection of the Pompidou. And in that you have these situations, you say, which are absurd, but slightly familiar. Um, I'm just thinking there's a gentleman in front of a lectern. He looks like he's giving a political speech and there's just a shark dropped into the middle of this situation. And in another one, there's a man rolling out a heavy red carpet behind a coach where people are clambering in through the windows. So I think the absurdity is also undercut by a sort of looming sense of crisis. And I want to know more about what has um, inspired you to develop this strategy where things kind of teeter on the edge. Uh, yes, what I like to say of, often about this is that when I was in Algeria, um, many people had this same reflex, like especially during the civil war, for example, where the headlines were very violent. Um, so people like to take to read, like before reading the newspaper, look for the cartoon, laugh first, and then come back to the to the to, to the to the head to the news etc and i think this logic remains until now and also i think in my work in general there is a question a kind of uh latent threat like threat it's not undefined you know it's not defined it's not clear what is it exactly but it's here so something that uh there is a kind of uh, yes, the signs of flattened conflict that may 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 happen or not. So I like to to to. This is why I said the violence is not delivered directly. It's it's diffuse. It's not about the violence itself, but also maybe kind of mechanism of violence or um, and also like the situation itself is more interesting for me rather than to comment like specific event, for example, in the in the drawing. Some of your work though has considered specific events. And I'm thinking about your piece, A Thousand Villages, which thinks about Algeria's history of um socialism, which mm. in the 1970s was a bit big part of um government thinking about how to rebuild a country post-colonialization and you're also currently in the process of working on a project that's looking at the 1970s and the time of as I said this nation building which have also some academics refer to as a sort of belle epoque yeah and um, what do you find particularly intriguing about this period and what are you trying to get to grips with uh, yes, this is uh, another part of my work where I develop um, a reflection around um, drawing as documentary form and how to document specific or historical events through drawings and also using only drawing, not archives, no interviews, no videos, for example. Uh, this project, especially the, the Thousand Villages, it was a kind of, um, I discovered that through the press. And this period is still, until now, is fascinating. A lot of 
like people in Algeria and beyond Algeria, because it, it was probably like a period of hope of utopia that collapsed. And um, yeah, and probably the stories heard from our parents or grandparents talking about this period, like after the independence, everybody was excited to build a country, to do something. It was the Algerian socialism, this Algerian um, yeah, hope and dream, etc. And everything kind of collapsed at the end. And the thousand villages is something really for me typical of this period. It's kind of um, something that gathers around a lot of questions. You know, in Algeria, a lot of questions are suspended like that and never resolved. And this project, particularly for me, is speaking about, about this uh, because the project was stopped. They built around five, uh, 500 villages and they stopped, but they never say that the project is finished. So it remains a kind of rumor until now. Uh, so people know, they know about it, but they don't really know about it. This is why I was interested. Like the rumor in my work also is something that I'm really interested on. Uh, and it's also uh, like a personal, uh, there is also a personal aspect is just to understand a part of my own history, because this, uh, I never heard about this story like deeply in the school. We heard about the Algerian revolution, of course, in general, uh, but it was mixed with a kind of ideology in the school. You know, it's, it's, it's the same thing that you find in, in many countries, of course. It's not specific to Algeria. But uh, yeah, so art, being an artist, I found that art helps to understand some situation that history or science cannot explain. So this is why I did this project. And now I'm doing the kind of next step with this uh, on this project with um, with Natasha Marie Lorenz which is uh, an art historian and curator we work together since a long period now and we share like a same interest on these questions and also there is uh, for us also a, um, a question also in 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 formal questions how how to tell about this story through art uh, and we're working on that. We're going to Algeria soon to continue our research. That's really great to hear because I, when you earlier said that Algeria was your place, your family, I also wanted to probe a bit more about how you relate to what's going on in the art world there at the moment and whether you relate to the country's history of art as well. Um, in general, my work is more um, influenced by uh, Algerian literature and poetry, for example, rather than visual art. Um, like all the painters, for example, known from Algeria from the 70s, for example, uh, they're mostly related, their painting, which is normal, related to Algerian revolution sometimes, but also to to uh, the um, to Algerian war for 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 freedom against colonization. So sometimes you need to take a step from that and look to the present. And I found it more 
in the literature rather than visual art at the moment. With the new generation, uh, this it's it's I think it's a bit different because they are working in the same time with the past and the present and using various uh, means they use in video, animation, films, whatever. Um, so, so it's a bit different. But as I said, my influence were really by, by um, I'm more influenced by Algerian literature uh, rather than poetry. Like in Algerian literature, there I found this mix of humor and absurdity, violence, comic and tragic. I found it sometimes. And also in poetry, I'm interested in some poets like Jean Senac, for example, which is his work is very important for me because there is something about the rhythm, something about the use of the words uh, that are that became really important in my practice. Thank you to Masnisa for his sharp answers. If you enjoyed what you heard, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. In the show notes, you'll find a number of places where you can learn more about Masnisa's practice and some of the ideas we discussed. Join me next time, after the holiday break, when we speak to academic and curator Natasha Marie Lorenz about how she's been uncovering Algeria's art history. This has been Artworlds with me, Dr. Cleo Roberts-Comoredi. See you on the next journey.